0: What's up, everybody? Just want to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, this dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite art. And uh, I have a bunch of Jungle Television t-shirts. They are heavy in my rotation and just always blown away by the things that he is making the mushroom hunter jackets are some of my favorites those are really dope but yeah if you need jackets shirts hats just prints very cool prints um, hit this dude up the jungle television link will be in the episode notes along with the instagram tag and if you use the code dcp at checkout you'll get 20 percent off of your next order so take advantage of that check out the uh the jungle television instagram cruise alex's designs um they're very very dope and next level appreciate his support and sponsorship of this thing let's start the episode
1: Looking down at the uh,
0: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast... In a free way. You can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes. Clicking write a review. Giving the podcast five stars. If you feel like it is deserving of so. And that is super helpful. In propelling this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts. Giving it more visibility. On the national and international levels. And helping strangers find the podcast. And just getting more exposure for the artists that come on the podcast. So. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so and appreciate you just for tuning in and checking this thing out. Also, recently the podcast was made available on Spotify as well. So, if you're a Spotify person, you can find the Dan Cable Presents podcast there as well. So, super stoked that it will be accessible for some more folks to find. And you can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances from bands across all genres. So all that is there. And I'll put all the links in the episode notes. You can find everything on my Instagram, on my link tree there, or check out dancablepresents.com. And super stoked for episode 232. Is what we got in store this week. And it has been a while since I have had a band hang. And uh, I was able to link up with a band called Goings out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we jumped on the Zoom chat and, and I had a really fun hang with uh, three of the members of the band. We had Chris, the drummer. And then we had Aiden and Keith, who are cousins and uh, two of the main songwriters in the band, as well as uh, the two dudes that take lead vocals on their record, It's For You, which is available now on all the streaming services. So it was just fun to get to, to hang out with the band. It's uh, not something I get to do a ton of since the, since the COVID shit started it can be sometimes a little difficult to navigate over the, uh, the virtual hangs to have a band, but it's always great when you get to talk to more than just one member of something that, um, is a collective. And especially in this case, I learned how collaborative the writing and creation process is for this band. So it was, it was great to have three out of the four members for this thing. And, uh, I think we were able to to get some pretty great quality out of the thing, so hopefully it's an enjoyable listening experience for you. But yeah, man, I got turned on to these dudes through Mike over at Earshot Media and just really dug this record when I heard it, and it's got so many cool feels and... Uh, if you dig pop punk, if you dig indie rock, if you dig mathy stuff, if you dig some emo, it's uh it's kind of all packed into this record and I think they uh they put a cool fresh spin on things as well and I think all of the the playing is really great as well as the the songwriting and the record just sounds really great. So we kind of talk about all of these things in this conversation. And as well as share some, some tunes from the record, which, uh, like I said, is available now. So if you, if you dig what you hear on this episode, I would highly encourage you to, uh, to give this band a follow and, and add their music to uh, one of your playlists or, or the whole record to your library. And if you really fuck with it, then get yourself one of the vinyls that is coming out as well. And if you came to the podcast today because you're a fan of Goings, I would encourage you to uh, go back in the in the catalog and check out some of the other bands or artists that have been on the podcast in the past. Like I said, episodes coming at you every week, every Friday, and uh, some editions of I Dig Records peppered in there as well where my cousin and I are just diving deep into a couple records and and playing them in the background and featuring certain tracks and and just having a chat about them so that's what's going on there. Hope everybody is doing well out there, hanging tough. It's uh it's crazy that Thanksgiving is creeping up on us here. I guess this will be this will be the last episode that's put out before Thanksgiving happens, so I hope everybody uh is uh able to have a solid one even though this has obviously been a very unconventional year and i hope that you're able to uh to still find some joy and find some ways to connect with your friends and family in a a safe way i know things up here in the pacific northwest at least are locking down heavy again to help prevent the uh the spread of this thing during another surge and everything just feels kind of bogus and, and weird this year, but, uh, I'm feeling thankful still, man. Feeling thankful that been able to keep this thing going throughout all this. And I really appreciate the fuck out of everybody that takes the time to, to listen to this thing every week. If you've been listening for a long time and, and hanging in there and seeing the, uh, the progression of this thing over the years. I uh, I really appreciate you and I hope, uh, hope you have a good Thanksgiving and I hope that you are finding ways to stay sane out there. We're gonna jump into this thing. Big thanks to these uh, dudes for jumping on the line with me to chat about their tunes and the new record It's For You as well as how this band got going. So, here we go episode 232 goings from philadelphia pennsylvania is on the show and we are going to kick it off with one of my favorite tracks from the it's for you record and it is called west blue sky lives let's do the damn thing Band. How are you guys doing? Hello. Pretty good. Pretty doing really good. well. Thanks so much for uh for taking the time jumping on, on the line here with me. I uh, have been digging your tunes. I I got uh I heard the first track off of uh It's for you, which is that the phone call jam, yeah?
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: And uh yeah, how- phone number. Yeah, I was I was uh I was hooked in super early. Like I was I was really into it and uh just from that kind of that that first break in the song where everything kind of opens up and the vocal gets really big, just uh kind of uh I feel I feel like it it made me feel like there was going to be some some twists and turns and some curveballs to uh to go with the pop sensibilities of the the songwriting. So I was I was way into it.
2: Thank you. Yeah, we were really excited to put um, put out a song that really grabs people's attention. That wasn't the intended first single, um, but I think in retrospect it was definitely the right choice to go with. Um, it just kind of catches there's no waiting it, it it catches all of us right away like we have synth going right away, all the guitars going right away the drum beat is like, Chris's drum beat's pretty insane. Um so I think that's why what I liked about it. I just wanted it to be it helps that it's the first track and I, I think I think it's a good first single as well. So thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It it just made me super curious about the rest of the music. So I was I was stoked to dive into it and uh get an early listen of the the record that is about to drop, or I guess by the time this is out is is already out for people to check out wherever they're they're streaming music at but um yeah it it reminded me of a lot of stuff like it felt like a cool hybrid of a lot of bands i like It, it reminded me of pinback at times and one of my favorite bands over the last few years has been turnover and it gave me some of those vibes at times and uh, a handful of other things like some All Get Out and, and either even some, uh, some Death Cab vibes at times. So seems like there's, there's a lot of different dynamics going on. But it, I also just kind of appreciate the it's – a, it's a cool take on all of those genres, I think. And I really dig like what the 16-bit kind of synthy sounds add to uh, the production. I think that gives it some, some very cool character to go with the songwriting
3: i think like a lot of our previous projects that we've ever been in like was always kind of like a uh like oh like we want to sound like this or like we want to sound like that and like goings was kind of like our first thing that like we kind of just wanted to like check all the boxes you know and like not really like try to sound like anything specific you know what i'm saying like how, like, er, like, like, how I'm just saying, like, early on, we would have, like, been like, oh, like, let's, like, have a song that sounds like, uh, Algernon or whatever else. And, like, now, like, we're just kind of, like, not letting that hold us back. Like, just kind of writing whatever we feel like it.
0: I think that's just, like, natural, the natural steps of, like, creating things is that the early parts of it, you're just really imitating the, the people or, or things that have like made heavy impacts on you. And it's super clear that where the influences are usually where, you know, you get a little deeper into the process and you kind of start forming your own voice and your own takes on things.
3: Right. Exactly. Um,
0: Talk, talk to me about how you guys are out of Philly. Right. Um, That's correct. Yeah. Talk to me about how this
2: band formed. um. Well, this is my my name is Aiden Rogers. I play uh, synth and Keith and I, the other singer are um, actually cousins. So that's an, it was an easy connection. Um, Keith has been playing, you know, the drums since he was like a a little kid and seeing him do that in our family was really inspiring to me. Um, So it it really goes back to that. And then him just asking me to be, we've been playing in bands, me, Keith and Chris. Um, Chris is also on the call who have just been playing in bands for years at this point, Um, whereas we've kind of finally arrived at Goings, which I think is the project that has meant the most to us, probably because of what Keith just got finished saying about it all kind of being a melting pot. Um, So, yeah, I think that's kind of how it formed. I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that. What about you, Chris?
4: Yeah, Keith and I, um, I met him when I came to... Uh, Amosland Elementary School uh, in third grade we met each other and had a mutual friend and just started jamming in bands together and also like separately and I've always you know found my way uh, playing with Keith somehow so we were in a band together also with Aiden um, for like the past I don't know maybe like since 2016 and decided that um, we wanted to keep get, keep doing it keep going if you will uh with the new project I
3: was I was I was I was waiting for for the uh for, for the pun somewhere had it had to happen
4: It had
0: to happen so <laughs> this this r- there's some some uh strong roots here there's a lot of a lot of history between the three of you uh what what is the age gap between uh you guys and Aiden
3: um so Chris is like a year older than me you're 25 right chris
4: yeah i just turned 25 september
3: i'm 24 um, and
2: then and i'm and i'm 22 okay the fun the funniest piece of that oh, always in our like in our old band we we played in a band called ringtail howitzer for you know like two or three years and that was when i i was in high school they were out of high school so i kind of really was a kid in, the, in a sense to all, all of them and to kind of bring that to us being in the Philly scene, um, it, it's just, it, it's so dynamic and very, the age, the age ranges in the scene are, I would say are, is pretty vet va- like pretty wide. Um, you know, uh, like people are start coming to shows in high school and, you know, people are you know coming until they're like in their thirties. Um, and that, that shows in bands as well. Um, so yeah, me we're we're pretty close in age, um, but that was a kind of funny piece to it for a while. Um when I was in like high school, Keith and Keith and Chris were, <laughs> you know, off doing work and everything, and I was like worrying about physics class and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's it's behind always, us. It's always yeah. funny
0: <laughs> it's always funny too when there's those moments uh before everyone in the band turns twenty one and you go play yeah. maybe these bar these bar venue shows sometimes and they're and anybody that's not of age just kind of has to only be in there
3: yeah when when
0: you when you're playing and then other than that you're out like you're on stage or you're not inside the venue there was
3: there was there was multiple times where i had to stay outside of the gig like while like while like the other bands were playing and uh i i remember like a really like rough time was like i played uh the the Kung Fu necktie in, in Philadelphia. If you know, if, if, if you're, if you're familiar with that at all, like, um, it's like, it's like in like a fine area, but then like right next to it, it's like not that great. And I had to like stand outside and I'm like 19 years old and it was raining the whole time. And I was just like, man, like I never want to play here again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No compassion for, for those under 21. (laughs) <laughs>
3: yeah i mean now 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 of course it it doesn't matter that i'm old enough so now i would i would love to play there
2: <laughs> i always remember like just getting drink tickets because you know you kind of got paid in like two free beers at a lot of these venues right and i just hand them right to keith you know like here you go like <laughs> like all right keith gets four drinks before we play and i'll be outside
3: <laughs> uh, yeah yeah
2: just having to explain to people yeah. why, why, why you're outside and that, yeah, no, I'm, exactly. I'm in the band. I'm in the band. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, I feel like that's, especially in Philadelphia, but it sounds like, like you've, you're, you're in, in Portland and you know, you, what you just said exactly describes what it's like being in a band before you're 21. Um, and I think a lot of people in, in the scene kind of have that experience of like a lot of the venues where you're going to get booked, if it's not a house, Um, which the house, the house show scene is really alive, but, you know, if you ever wanted to get out of that at all, it was playing a bar. Um, and you know, if you were, if you weren't 21, you were definitely had to deal with that.
0: I I feel you though, Aiden, like, um, there's definitely outside of the house show scene here in Portland and probably even just the Pacific Northwest in general, including Seattle, the... There's there's very few all ages venues at this point, you know. So most of those shows are happening in houses if it is a all ages thing, which is unfortunate. But it's just I think it's just so hard to keep those venues open when you can't when you can't serve any booze to these people. So it's hard to hard to keep Definitely. something open.
2: Yeah, I mean one of the one of the best art spaces in our area, the the um, batting cages. Uh, Everybody hits Philadelphia was a batting cages place by day show venue by night yeah. coolest thing ever um but that unfortunately had that unfortunately closed um that that was this year or i think it might have been like december of 2019 actually but um but yeah so so that's kind of a really tragic example of um you know a place art spaces that aren't bars that are trying to do a unique thing uh, have a tough time absolutely um
0: so, Chris, were you and Keith, you, you you said you guys became friends in third grade. So were you friends before either of you even started picking up an instrument?
4: So, I mean, we were in, like, you know, band and stuff pretty early on. And um, it's just like we had, like, a mutual friend. And, um, like, actually, Keith and Kyle, um, our mutual friend who actually played on It's For You, Um, They were actually in a band before me and Keith were, and um, I always thought that was awesome, like, being in third grade, like, like, whoa, these kids at my school have a band, like, they have a MySpace page with, like, music up, I'm like, what the (laughs) heck, that's so crazy, and it was just really inspiring, and um, so I actually ended up jamming with Kyle a little bit, and um, before Keith, Kyle and I ever played together, we had our own little project too um in addition to keith and kyle's project
3: i think we were when when we started jamming chris like we were in like sixth grade so i would have been like 11
2: being in a band in third grade is insane and being on myspace and like actually like doing the thing of like getting out there and stuff is like so funny
3: i mean I i don't know just like since I was born, that's like all I wanted to do. Like I, like I, like I grew up watching like all the monkeys, like TV shows and like the Beatles movies and stuff. So just like at a very young age, that stuff really made like an impression on me, to where like I was like, oh, that's a cool thing. Like I want to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I, th- I think, uh, yeah, Chris, I think you nailed it though. Like as far as like when you see somebody doing that that's your age I think it makes you also feel like that it's it's tangible like it's something you could be doing as a third grader too
4: yeah and I just ever since I started playing drums I was just like all right well I gotta like do something with this like let's let's start a band with some people like let's try to get something going like
0: yeah was drums your first instrument
4: First, and then I started to take guitar lessons for a little while. And I just, I was like, okay, but I just always excelled at the drums. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick to drums because it's what I love the most. And uh, yeah, I just enjoy doing it the most.
0: Hell yeah. Um, Keith, did you grow up like with just like a musical family influence you're talking about seeing like the monkeys and the Beatles stuff really early on and just being kind of immersed oh, yeah. in it from a pretty young age so was that pretty encouraged or... yeah
3: um oh yeah my, my dad uh actually like played in a band like back in like the 70s the jive bombers nice. uh <laughs> that that like actually still plays to this day de- well not obviously not to this day but uh, but y- y- like you know up until before the pandemic and all like they were playing uh even like now um but i i mean yeah like my my dad was the singer like was the front man of that band and i guess just like yeah just like ever since we were young like me and my brother my older brother kevin uh we just wanted to play music uh so it wasn't really like we didn't have a lot of people that were like trained like i guess classically but just people that it was like their lives, like you know what i'm saying
0: yeah absolutely
3: and, but but like they like but it was very like important like to like for them i think for us to learn the right the right way to, like play or whatever so i mean my, my first drum lesson was when i was about six years old
0: and when did you start? Uh, when did you pick up a guitar and start writing some tunes?
3: Um, so I started playing guitar actually because our uh, this guy I was jamming with with uh, uh, that guy Kyle that Chris mentioned uh, had left his guitar over at my place, and I had never really tried to play um th- so wait hon sorry so that was like about when i was thir- like 13 and i just kind of had been around like you know my brother his friends stuff like that that just like th- that just knew how to play guitar and you know i'd pick up like oh that's how you play a power chord oh okay i i, I know how to play punk now so like that's that checked off and then yeah like every everything else is just kind of like i just picked up from other people
0: yeah, were you? Did you gravitate to wanting to write your own songs from a pretty early time?
3: Oh yeah, I mean, like even when I was in bands, when like I was, you know, however nine years old or ten years old, like when I was just really playing drums, I was st- I was always singing. I've been I've been singing for like since I was you know born, like before I had an instrument to play. Like I was always you know singing to you know like old Beatles records that my dad would put on or, you know, whatever. Um, so, like, I was, like, always kind of writing lyrics and melody, like, basically since the beginning. Um, and then once I kind of found the guitar, um, it just made it a lot easier to, uh, like... Uh, to do that, I guess, you know, you can find the chords yourself and just figure it out.
0: And Aiden, did you, uh, were the keys your, your first instrument?
2: Yeah, I, I started playing the piano um, in like fourth grade. Um, so there's like a, there's a pretty good history there, kind of all the way up to 20, like, you know, three years ago, um, 2017, where I got a, a synthesizer, the the Korg Minilog. And I, you know, I I barely even really learned how to use it, kind of that type of thing. You get a new gadget, and you're like, eh, this is too hard to learn." Um, but then I brought it, you know, to the to practice, just to like jam with Keith and Chris, and, you know, they were like, you know, we we had been in bands before, but never without never with keys, and it just it 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 instantly stands out. So it kind of was like a no brainer to start a new band with like kind of a new lineup, including synthesizer
0: yeah it's like a whole whole different instrument having yeah that core.
2: you know you really tap into like the secret that like most indie bands have known since like mid-2000s of just just add keyboards and you'll instantly stand out not to say that you know me playing keyboard in our band makes us good or makes you'll make you like our music but um it it instantly makes you sound different than you know most of the bands that we were playing around us type of thing
0: for sure so what unfolded to kind of kind of uh and you might have just mentioned it with the you know bringing in the synthesizer but like what, uh what kind of how does it unfold that you you
2: move out of was it the ring the howitzer is that the ring, name of the yeah ring howitzer um it, it that was kind of just dying um you know we had a member that wasn't so into it anymore um so we were kind of just kind of starting from square one.
3: Yeah, I mean, like so so Ringtail was kind of like a twinkly emo type vibe. And I mean, for the most part, um I mean uh not to discredit either of you guys or anything like that, but like I was kind of writing a bulk of what we were doing. Like I would basically like this is this is in Ringtail Howitzer. Uh, like, I would come with, like, an almost finished song, like, basically, like, anything that I would be playing on guitar and, like, a vocal melody, sometimes not all the lyrics, but, you know, eventually written. And I just couldn't keep writing that stuff anymore. Like, so so not only uh, with, you know, our fourth member, like, kind of just not really being into it anymore, I also, like, just wasn't really that into writing like that anymore and if i if like i was gonna write different i didn't want it to be the same project i like i just wanted to start from square one
0: did you guys kind of have a vision for what you wanted this this goings band to be from the beginning and how you wanted to uh kind of roll things out and and get it moving
4: so at first um we didn't really even like set out to start a whole new band. We just knew that Ringtail was kind of coming to a, uh, probably just like, you know, phasing out. And so it was actually, um, over like Christmas break in 2017, actually. Um, my grandmother owns like a dance studio and I had this idea of like, why not try to just like, hit up all my closest friends that play music and invite them over see what happens set up some recording stuff and so I called up uh, Keith and Aiden and then our friend Kyle and uh, just tried to see what we could do also I was playing at the time in another band um, with Jack and so I called up Jack as well and we didn't really know what we were doing we were just going to just have fun that night and try to like just record some stuff just for shits and gigs and we ended up writing our first I guess single you could call it um, Mental Math and we didn't have anything written of that beforehand we just kind of like did it all in that night recorded it and it just came out that way Uh, we didn't have the lyrics written at first but we uh, came back to it at a later date and Keith wrote some some lyrics, Uh, Aiden wrote some lyrics, and I also contributed a little bit to the singing. So two other songs that uh, Keith had pretty much fleshed out because he was intending to use as like his solo project at the time. And we ended up just jamming on those two songs as well. And those are the other two songs that are on the uh, 2019 EP that we released.
0: So kind of a, a happy accident, just you guys getting together to, to play some music and it bared some fruit.
2: Yeah, definitely. That I think of that being I think Chris summed that up really well that's pretty much like one of the best memories of my life at this point is that night of just kind of like not having a plan and just being like oh my god we just made something that we like really like and i also i what chris kind of talked about i think touches on we didn't really have a set vision but one thing that came became clear in the after our previous band was that like i could tell keith was really excited that we were going to be so much more collaborative um, as far as writing goes, like with that first song alone, like, you know, Chris was singing, I was singing, Keith was singing. So there's no kind of like the whole idea of being like one front man is kind of out the window right away. Um, it's just kind of like, I think moving forward, it's clear that that helps with like burnout. Like what Keith was describing was just like burnout of having to be the songwriter, be the front man, be the only one singing when we play shows. And this way, you know, and for the record, we've been um, just super collaborative, all five members coming in with ideas, um, all five members singing on the album. And I I feel like all five members, you know, maybe four members pretty much at some point contributing to lyrics. Um, So I just think that that's that's so cool and has been really successful so far.
0: Yeah, it's got to be a game changer to participate in that level of collaboration after having something that, that didn't feel that way and everybody kind of getting to flex a little bit more of their creativity. And I think you're absolutely right with the burnout situation, but also just, uh, you know, having more songwriters is super helpful and just putting out more songs or, you know, pooling together a bunch of songs and actually like figuring out which ones are right for an album or for release instead of just kind of, having to go with what you have because you're, you're out of songs, you know?
3: And I, and I think, and I think like a big part of that too was, uh, Aiden was in a band with his brother around the same time as, uh, Ringtail was going on. And I really didn't know like what to expect from it. Like when it was first like being dropped and I was like, Holy crap. Like this, like this guy can like write really well. And it was kind of like with Ringtail, it was like we had like this ecosystem of like how we were churning out these songs. And, you know, that one night at the dance studio, it was like finally like a way for like both of those worlds to like meld together properly or something.
0: Yeah, that kind of just like set a new precedent for how you guys would create together and just a yeah. little bit more of an, an open loop there and let everybody voice
2: their their ideas and whatnot. It only made songwriting, like, for myself... Like, if I were to write songs for different bands, it's only going to be harder moving forward because I'm so used to just having so much trust with Keith, Chris, and Jack, um, just their input. Um and just just being able to trust other people to have an opinion, and I also just think like I don't think any of us really listen to the same stuff like exclusive. Like I think all of our music tastes are so different that you know it's all just it, it's its own unique e- ecosystem. I like how you said that, Keith. Um, it, it and as you're as any listeners probably getting a sense of there's a lot of bands we've all been in, um, and they really kind of just convened with this project. I think.
0: Yeah, it's cool that there's a bunch of different influences. I think that comes through in the in the tunes for sure. And maybe maybe contributes or, you know, accounts for some of the twists and turns that maybe happen within some of the songs and some of the time changes and whatnot. Um I I really appreciate um how patient you guys seem to be at certain points in a song to uh to like just you know add textures very slowly throughout the song so when it gets to the end it's it's this big piece of music and and there's a lot of cool production going on and the layering of of certain things is uh it seems like it's done really well and uh it's it seems like there's a lot there but it doesn't it doesn't get muddy you know this record sounds really fucking good
2: thank you yeah, that's all.
3: That's all. That's all. That's all. Thanks to Matt Weber, our uh, sound engineer. He yeah, Gradwell really House. On
2: it. Anyone listening from Jersey, slash maybe some people from Philly will definitely already know Gradwell. I think. Um, they they were really awesome. Is most of this
0: this record, is it written pre-pandemic or or post-pandemic? Yeah.
2: Definitely pre.
0: Okay. Yeah,
3: we started we started recording when was that? Like last November? So it's like almost a year ago now.
4: Yeah. We're doing pre pro like the start of October. So we went in the studio I think like November eighth and then we recorded this pretty much all in a weekend, right? Yep. And then we Which had to go back for, like, crazy for now. like mixed stuff, but
2: it was it was just 3 days of straight playing and getting it all done really fast.
4: The pre-pro really helped with, you know, nailing what we got to do. We got to get in there and get the hell out of there.
2: Yeah, just really had
0: all the everybody had their parts super locked in and you guys kind of knew exactly what you wanted out of each tune going into the days of of recording.
2: We yeah. definitely did. And then of course, you know, certain things come up. That we had this idea to do like an interlude thing That did make it on the album called Voicemail Where it's just me and some piano I love
5: when the trains come At the same time Then they go their own way The LED up, Have your ready.
2: and I can remember recording that I think it was like we we were booked till like 11 and we recorded that at like 10 30 like me just like take after take like all right let's just see if like any of these will stick because we're like out of time with the studio um but it worked out and I, I don't, I didn't feel like a rush, but yeah, the recording nine, ten songs, song, nine songs, right? I should yeah. probably
3: nine, record. nine, including the, the interlude, the yeah. interlude, yeah. which
2: is like only a minute long. Yeah. Nine songs in a weekend feels pretty crazy, but it, it really worked out well for sure. Yeah. Like
0: I said, man, I was just drawn into the, the tunes right away and I was, I was stoked on what I found throughout the rest of the, the record and, just feels like you guys have a lot of a lot of different dynamics going on and uh a lot of different feels you know like not not every tune feels like it's the same song as the other you know and sometimes it's the, the guitar tones and sometimes it's the synth stuff and i love the mathy shit
2: thank you yeah um, i think that that i mean that's definitely a big piece of our history i guess is like Never being in a full-on math rock band, but being always math rock adjacent, Um, which I think in general math rock is a niche. But like the math rock adjacent stuff, I feel like always people tend to really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we're really into the math rock.
4: Yeah, I I love. I love to claim that we're math, like we're a math rock band. But I think like on paper, like we might not be so much. We're a little mathy, but we're very math rock influenced. So, I'm starting to say like, that instead of just're a math rock band, like
2: yeah, there's one at least like one five four measure somewhere in the song couple
4: seven eights you know
2: <laughs> a seven eight bridge like it's always just something it's generally something like that where it's kind of like a hook or um kind of like a e like an ear grabber um at some point in the song.
0: Yeah, I dig. I dig the balance of it, like between the mathy stuff and the pop sensibilities of the tunes. You know, like I, it has a lot of cool character because of some of those mathy moments, but it also, I think, has a pretty wide appeal with some of the the pop sensibilities as well. Like it, uh, nothing ever goes so far out where I think it would even turn on, like turn off a. A casual listener of music you know it's not it's not anything necessarily abrasive and uh yeah i think it's just like done really well and i also kind of appreciate that you don't overuse the mathy stuff
3: i i think i think at at least for me like with my writing it's like i i I will write a melody first like like the like the like the pop sensibilities like for me like is like a huge like thing it's like, like i i think of like really what i think like makes the hair on your uh the back of your neck stand up listening to a song or or whatever like isn't even really like the words it's just like it's the it's the pattern of notes and like that's like what really like makes you feel something without really saying anything yet and then kind of just like any anything else on on top of that is is just gravy to me, but like I, I just I always like to start there like the at the at the base of it and then anything else adding on top of it, you know.
0: Well let's get into a jam. This is uh I wanna play Trying and Dying. This was one of the early releases off the record, and there's also a music video for this song, which is really dope. So I'll put the link for the video in the episode notes for the people, but I, uh, I really like this Trying and Dying song, so this is Goings with Trying and Dying off their new record, It's For You. So as far as uh, recording process, is that something, I know you you guys said you went to a studio and used an engineer for the record, but is this something you guys like to be super involved in when we get down to, you know, mixing and things of that nature?
4: Oh, believe me. I had a whole Google doc of like V1 mix notes, (laughs) V2 mix notes, V3 mix notes. and um there's v5 and then there's v1 through 3 on the master notes as well (laughs) so yeah um all pretty much all chris because i don't know like i just i get so into this stuff and like i'm honestly like a perfectionist in most cases so like a lot of people would just like be annoyed by that but matt was very patient and um i just love him to death for for not trying to you know rip his hair out after the whole thing was over (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> i think i think me and chris like strike a really good balance because chris is very much a perfectionist and like is like you know trying to get every little in and out and i'm kind of more like ah you can you can you can you can leave a screw up in there you know what i mean like I, like i'm 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 like we we could we could be recording this like on an 80s tape recorder and i would think it sounds fine like if like if the song is there so like I I think I think that like us in the studio it, like we we like get a really good like balance of that like still like still having that like drive that Chris has to, to for it to be perfect and then me
2: <laughs> yeah like being a being a part of that uh kind of battle between perfectionism and kind of like just kind of letting it be what it is um I think one really interesting thing that Matt did, who who um, engineered it, and we're really giving him a big shout out here. One thing that they do at that studio um, is they'll switch between like the great, the really nice monitors in the studio, between that and like a boombox that's kind of just sitting on the board, um, which lets them. I thought that was so cool. That lets them in the moment. It's like, hey guys, here's what you're gonna sound like on like the crappiest thing someone's gonna listen to the record on. And then also here's like the nicest monitors the studio has, which is so key because like it's, you know, right. We know exactly what it, what the song's going to sound like on like a smartphone, um, which isn't optimal as most bands would know. But, um, you know, someone who's really a master mixer and master who's really dialed into that thing can make it sound good on anything. So, um, we had that kind of perfectionism, but, you know, I think even in the mixing process, they were like. We need to know what it's going to sound like in every context.
4: And also just, yeah, like, and just like from our previous bands of just doing DIY recordings, like, I feel like since we're going into the studio, I'm like, all right, here's my time to shine. Like, we're putting the work in. Like, let's make sure everything is as great as it can possibly be.
0: Did you guys feel like... It was almost a good thing that you had such a short amount of time to uh, to lay down the songs in the studio, in a sense.
2: I think so. Yeah,
4: I mean, they're all pretty much like ready to go. Like we had, we didn't really have any parts that we were still writing. So, I think if we had more time, maybe we would be second guessing some of the things. But I'm, I'm honestly just so happy with how it turned out.
3: I think like if we if we didn't have those demos as solid or the, or the pre-pro whatever you want to call it like as solid as it was like i think that that time crunch would have not been too great but like the songs changed very little from uh from the demos to when we got there
2: yeah we were really prepared um so the short time period just kind of kept us on track uh really made us stick to the plan which panned out like Chris said were
0: those demos or pre-production stuff that you guys did was were they more or less just DIY recordings and had some some pretty you know extensive layering of tracks and stuff already oh
4: uh, we pretty much just like mapped out all the click tracks and um, I have like an interface with eight inputs so I recorded the drums to the click like pretty much I don't even think I use scratch tracks for all of them so I just like did that and then pretty much treated it as like when we're in the studio, all right, next up bass and then we're going to do guitars, we're going to do synth and then vocals and then cool.
0: So like a full f- full fucking run through. It was
2: a yeah. serious dry run. And to Chris's credit, to Chris's credit who doesn't like to believe that he's good at recording, uh I think a lot of bands would have been like if someone I don't know if we'll ever let anyone hear the pre pro tracks, but I think like a lot of people would like say like this is really good on its own. Um because we yeah, we pretty much treated it like we were recording it in the studio. We did like a full dry run.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's that's cool, man, that you guys have the discipline to do so. I th- I think it obviously uh panned out really well and uh seems like your efforts were rewarded in the the final product. Chris, did you, there's a, there's like a three song single that's out as well on, on the interwebs. Did you record that stuff?
4: So that was actually recorded at the dance studio that we mentioned previously. Um, That night, that was, those were the recordings from that night. Um, And, you know, we spent a little bit of time Obviously, uh, recording the vocals afterwards and mixing. Mixing, it was uh, Jack and I, and we went to um, a studio that he used to uh, intern at called Zero by One in uh, South Jersey. And we just wanted to go there to to use the really good studio monitors to mix. And then um, we don't really know a whole lot about mastering, so we actually got it mastered at Gradwell. Um, and it's just, it really did make a huge difference, like going from those mixes to the mastering, so...
0: Yeah, dude. Even those those tracks sound really good. So you obviously have uh, you got an ear for the engineering and, and mixing side of things. Did did uh did you gravitate to that pretty early on?
4: Um. Well, ever since I got like an interface for Christmas, I don't even remember. But I remember. I think it was like 2011 like ish. I was still in high school, so I was like kind of just teaching myself like how to do like Pro Tools and all that stuff. And I don't know, I just always had a fascination with like recording and recording drums and stuff.
3: honestly, even even before that though Chris, I mean you like like you recorded all all that like society of three stuff like even the stuff that like we did when we were like 11 and 12 like that you just recorded like maybe like our second practice or something like you were like you've always been like that guy.
4: I don't know I just well, ever since I saw you and Kyle with, like, you know, your first band with recordings on MySpace, I was like, all right, let's record stuff. Like, I was like, so, so hype. <laughs>
2: what mics did you use? What What were you using when you were 11 and 12? I
4: don't even know this story. We had Audacity, but I don't, I don't think we did like a multi-track thing. I think like, I honestly, it might have been like a digital camera like microphone or something like you're right it was a
3: digital camera that we would like somehow save onto the camera before that though like i mean any anything that i was recording on was just like you know like those crappy like uh like black like uh pc mics you know what i'm I'm Uh, talking about like that's and like we would just like be like all right like We'll try to put it like way on the other side of the room and see how that sounds. All right. That, that, that sounds awful. Let's try <laughs> it over here now. And just like, uh, yeah, just painstaking. Is that, is that a word? Painstaking?
0: We'll let it fly. We'll let it fly. I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to fact check you here.
3: <laughs> All right. All so- right. But-
2: but yeah, like I, I like how we told that story of the dance studio because if so, if anyone wants to go back to our first release, the EP, you can imagine us just in this big like it has like the kind of ballerina mirrors and we're just playing in this big open space. Um, gives you some context. Yeah, to I, that uh, EP.
0: Those those tunes drew me in just as much as anything else because that was all when I first uh, heard phone numbers. There's, that was all that was there to check out was that. And then that other three songs. The EP. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's some, some cool tunes to, to check out there. Um, thank you. I also just think that's dope when you have somebody in your band like Chris that has some interest of the engineering and mixing side of things. Cause I just think that's such a, a huge advantage, whether it's like doing the stuff like the pre-production or, you know, as you move forward, just the more you know and can communicate with if you are using an outside engineer or mixer, the more you can communicate with the correct vocabulary to like help, you know, move things at, along at,
2: at a Yeah, the jargon fast is pace. the jargon is huge yeah. when you're in the studio.
0: For sure. And you also understand like what you can actually do and manipulate. So you're not just asking the
2: engineer to do stupid shit. That's like, (laughs) yes, yes. No, I can't do that. (laughs) Can you make my guitar do that thing? And it's yeah, it's just not gonna go well. That
3: would that would literally be me in the studio if I was by myself. I I would be like, can you can you you make it sound like that one Peter Gabriel song when his when his when his voice goes wow wah, wah. You know, like it would be like it just be
2: terrible. Yeah, you need you do need the jargon. Otherwise, you're not going to get out of there in a weekend. You're going to take like, you know, a month to record one song. Earlier,
0: you said that you guys all listen to a lot of different kinds of music. But is there, would you say there's a record or a band kind of currently that you guys all collectively fuck with or
2: have super high respect for? not like new I, I think motion city soundtrack is a big one that's always uh been that's like really on the pop end um but we were talking about that I mean there's a lot of pop stuff on the album and that's pretty much where that's coming from is motion city soundtrack super synth synth, synth heavy pop punk essentially even though I I'm hesitant to say pop punk. Oh, uh,
0: don't be. Not. Don't let no don't let the, don't let people make that a, a bad tag for you. You're your right. Band, no, dude. no, no. I
2: I take back <laughs> that I'm hesitant for no, it. I, We're a pop punk band. I, Everyone I check you. it
0: out. I feel you. There's I mean, I think that's no, I, I think that's just one element though of your band. I would not I would not <laughs> yeah, just exactly. be like show Goings is a pop punk band. I'd be like, they're a pop punk band, they're an alternative band, they're a post rock band, you know they're a
2: mathy I band. Mean, <laughs> It's just, yeah, exactly. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't close a door. Um, so I, re- I do regret saying that. Um, but that's it, funny that that's where my head goes. I'm like, you know, I want, I want to label us correctly, I guess. That's where my, you. that came from. But no, it's like I, I just said, Motion City Soundtrack, super pop punk. And that's one of our favorites.
3: I think like, I can think of more bands that like me and Chris really fuck with. And that like me and Aiden like really fuck with, but like, um, the I, whole band is so. It's so. It's so funny. Like I can't think of like too many. I, I. I mean, like there was stuff that like we used to listen to like a lot more. Like a lot of that like twinkly emo stuff that I feel like we were kind of all in the same. And mm-hmm. and just like math rock, like I'm like I'm pretty sure, like we were all really really into T T and G. Like, I mean, I mean, still are I guess, but like yeah. that was like a, a band that I think we all really like.
2: Minus the Bear was a big influence in the rec in the studio. Like we were just kind of thinking, like, how do they make synths sound good? Yeah, because they're dude. super guitar heavy too. They 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 just they just have a good mix of all the elements that we have. We really don't sound like them either. But I think a lot of people, if they know Minus the Bear, they'll get that comparison.
0: Yeah. I think that that's a great comparison, especially I think that's a great band as far as their studio albums and what they sound like to, you know, aspire to want your record to sound like that is uh, that's a that's a great bar for sure. Um, So all this music was recorded before the pandemic. What do you guys what do you guys been doing to kind of keep the energy of the band going? during this, I mean, we're seven, eight months deep into this thing.
3: Yeah. I mean, like we stopped playing for, you know, a little while, uh, you know, as uh, probably should have, you know, during that time, like just not knowing really what what's going on. Um, But I mean, eventually we started just kind of jamming like here and there and just, you know, kind of just picking it right up where we left off, like writing wise, um, just kind of right in the same way we always have.
4: I like a lot of time, um, over the whole pandemic was we we're still sort of finalizing stuff with the album. Like we were kind of still trying to get the artwork finalized. So that took some time, but we were, we're definitely like keeping busy with that kind of stuff. And, um, I don't know. Also, just like we just um, signed with No Hope, and we were just uh, you know talking to Sean, the owner, about a lot of stuff throughout that whole time. So it was cool to just know that there were moving parts, like you know, associated with getting the record out. Then just like not really doing anything, and it it was like very uh, I don't know. Like it was inspiring to just you know know that there's something coming out. Uh, eventually and uh you know we couldn't wait to get this album out and it's still not out now but we're like freaking out because it's you know we're super excited
0: yeah you should be excited it's it's a rad record man i've been i've been jamming it all day i've probably listened to it five or six times at least throughout throughout the day and i'm not sick of it by any means and there, it's cool because there's a i think there's a lot of songs on there where by the second chorus you're already kind of singing along or or at least know the melody and want to sing along and then i think there's you know there's just a lot of uh there's a lot of parts on each song that i i look forward to like when the when one song starts i'm like oh i can't wait till it gets to this part you know so (laughs) that's awesome um love to hear that for sure and it's coming out is there's a vinyl coming out
2: there is. I think they're shipping the day comes out. I saw, the 13th I saw of some November. postings
0: of that. That looks really good. Yeah. The artwork is super dope.
2: Yeah, we kind of like what Chris said. There was there's a was a lot to keep us busy. A lot we were figuring out what the vinyl will look like. Um, the art. We we had a great artist do everything. Um, but we we did had gave a lot of feedback. Probably an annoying amount of feedback. <laughs> once again, <laughs> but you know that makes us. We're just super happy about it now. So it works out. Talk to me about Jack and, and uh,
0: you know, the dude that's not here.
4: So I have I to say- give credit. Well, also, I, not to cut you off, Aiden, but I have to also give credit where it's due because Jack was also, like, you know, we were pretty much 50-50 when it comes to all the uh, recording stuff. And uh, when we set up all the stuff in the in the dance studio, like, he was the one that, like, helped a lot out with, like, the mic placement itself. And, like... He had some room mics going. So he's just very into all that stuff as well. And um, I love him for it because we're kind of like a duo in that sense.
0: That's rad. And, And yeah, just another person to geek out about it with and get to feel like someone else in the band is kind of invested in that part of it with you.
4: And it's cool also because like Aiden and Keith are obviously cousins and then I've been playing with Keith for god knows how long at this point and um so we're all like from the same area and then we have jack who i met f- from playing in another band who's like lives in jersey like in cherry hill so he's like the odd one out but he like is does like there's just, just the most like perfect way of balancing us out with our sound and i think he just really brings everything together really nicely
2: if he were here you would have had to heard hear about uh, you know the numerous bands he's been in in the past too so um yeah we i think the, the this band is really just a ton of people that have been playing in diy bands um so yeah shout out to all the bands jack's been in all shucks was the band uh christmas in with him and they're awesome same thing with type of pro
4: yeah just so, uh
2: I, lo- I love your guys' other bands
4: just iterations of people that are in the same bands but you know, maybe somebody's not in the van. Maybe there's a different person. Like, it's just, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's how the, it's how the, this music scene has really worked. in like, to really just kind of like, oh, like, they're in that band and we like them, so let's ask them to be in our band. That's, like, yeah, definitely been happening for a while. For
0: sure. I think uh, my takeaway from listening to the record was just sort of like, oh, this is not the first time that uh these people have tried to make music together or put a record out you know <laughs> like it it, it yeah. felt like you y'all you are some uh some seasoned players or have at least been doing it for a while and writing tunes for a while it's just all really well done it's super impressive
3: thank you very much
0: thank you yeah thank you so much is uh are you guys still kind of collectively writing lyrics or consulting with each other, at least on, on that end of things.
4: I think Keith and Aiden are definitely like the, the two, you know, most lyrical in the, in the group.
2: We've been writing some interesting lyrics for what we have coming up next.
3: Yeah. Like our, our stuff now is like, it's, it's it's pretty wild.
2: To, um, to speak to an interesting dynamic that Keith and I have, he mentioned that he's met like melody first at practices. Holby humming along with just like placeholder words or no words. It's just like, you know, uh, gibberish. Um, whereas I'm definitely a lyrics first kind of person. So you can even hear it a bit on the record. The songs that I'm singing, most of them I wrote the lyrics for and they're kind of like, it's not quite as melody driven. It's more like me fitting those lyrics in. I, I just find that to be an interesting uh, difference between me and you, Keith. And um, yeah, we just kind of write, even though we're the primary lyric writers, uh, we have two completely different approaches to that.
4: Every so often, I'll contribute a little bit of a melody. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Chris is, Chris is also really good at singing, too, singing and drumming, which is, I literally could not imagine doing.
0: I think it's cool because I felt like maybe there was two different people that took the lead on on different songs when listening to the record. But it's uh, the voices complement each other so much and don't don't sound insanely different to me where I couldn't exactly tell if there was another singer. You know, like everything still feels like the same band.
2: Yeah, and part of that might be Keith and I being the same family. We might have like a just a tinge of like, oh, we kind of sound the same. Yeah, yeah for sure. But uh, yeah, Chris, and then also when Chris comes in, it's like just a nice surprise. Or um, sometimes Kyle um, and Jack song some background vocals. If you if you hear a hint of really low bass uh, vocals, you know that that's Jack. There's a couple hidden moments. It's like, where's Waldo? Go look for the the parts where Jack is singing because it's it's low register, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, just to kind of
0: wrap things up, you know, you guys have obviously been playing music together for a long time, been friends or cousins, you know, um, around the same age and whatnot. So, can any of you kind of speak to why you're still doing this together, and uh, you know, just just what draws you into wanting to be around each other and whatnot?
3: I just can't. Imagine a scenario where I could be any happier playing music. Completely. I'm playing with, I mean, two closest people in my life, you know, besides like my parents or my brother, you know? So, um, I mean, as simple as that really.
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't coming into this, um, talk i didn't expect to talk about you know our history before goings but i think it does speak to why this is so meaningful um you know it's been like you know at least five or six years that we have us three have been in a band together at least a band together at once at one time um and and now at this point i literally don't know how i would operate without them in the space while writing music
4: yeah i will be do I will do this like until I die probably and to have the to have the um privilege to do it with some of my closest friends that are still interested in doing it with me is just like so awesome i think
3: I think it's always gonna be some weird mixture of us three in weird sects or all together like probably no matter what uh you know the next few decades bring you know
0: (laughs) that's cool man um that's that's rad that you guys have been able to keep it together so long and play music together as kids and uh it's just cool to hear that you guys seem just as stoked if not more excited now than ever about it and uh like i said your record is great it's for you it's out it's available people should stream it they should buy a vinyl if they dig it i uh i don't know man i'm about 10 year i'm about 10 years older than you guys i'm 35 and uh i still love to fucking listen to some some emo and some pop punk and cool. um, <laughs> all all the heavy all the heavy mathy shit and uh i like i said i think your music kind of spoke to all of that and uh it's just very cool to see and the record just sounds really great sonically. Um part of having, you know, some of that, that mathiness in you is uh is is relies heavily on, on your, your boy Chris there to to keep it together. And I think uh the, the drumming on this record is really fucking great, dude.
4: Thank you so much.
2: I agree, Chris. You did a great job. And
0: Aiden and Keith, I yeah, I dig the fuck out of the songwriting and super stoked to, to see what you guys move, you know, move into next as far as uh, the next batch of tunes. But for now, there's plenty to check out and uh, can't encourage people enough to go check out this record and I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with what you're doing. Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guests of the uh the show saying the tagline which is it's a program so if we could get the goings it's a program we can properly sail this thing out i don't know if you guys all want to do it together or each take a, a let's run try at it
2: separately whatever is good with the potential delay over zoom I let's just th- I do i think
0: it. the delay will provide some character
2: yeah yeah i was i was
3: i was gonna say like the delay will make it funnier.
2: Cool. All right. I'll lead us. Let's do the like at the clap at the beginning. Three, two, one. It's a, it's pro a
1: program. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Dan. That
0: was super awesome. Uh I'm gonna play the episode out with one of my favorite tracks off the record. It's called Elevator. And uh this was a jam that I really dug. And uh I think it's one of the more progressive tunes. Uh definitely was one of those songs that I was talking about that has has some curveballs in the in the time changes, in between verses and whatnot, and uh, the end of this song is so fucking rad with the the guitar just kind of going off and whatnot.
3: Should should we drop the ball about this song, guys? Just like real
4: quick. I think so.
2: We're we're hoping we're working with uh, our friends. Um, Named Simon and Mary were trying to make a video game music video to this song. Oh hell yeah! Which I think uh, speak kind of speaks to the themes of it, and um, hopefully that'll be out somewhat soon. Um, we're you know we're not too far away from that being a thing. So I'm glad you picked this song, and um, hopefully expect that in the future. That'll be our next uh, project.
0: Right on. And uh, yeah, the tune that follows that algorithm, like I just really love how this record plays out because it gets it gets heavy.
2: Yeah, it's big. And, there's some big moments. And I,
0: and I feel like that, that was another thing I was talking about as far as the patience. I don't feel like you, like there's some really cool technical moments throughout the record, but I don't feel like you hit this level of heaviness until the very end of the record. And I think it's a really cool payoff in the, the listening experience if you're listening front to back.
2: Dan, I think you're the only person that I know that's just listened to it front to back. Like, we haven't talked to many people about this, so this is it's heartwarming to hear it, honestly. Right so thank you.
0: Well, I appreciate yeah. you guys uh, hanging with me, man. I, I, Like I said, I dig the tunes, and uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes. We're playing it out with Elevator off It's For You, and uh, that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, or Philadelphia wherever
4: you're at. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, everyone.